Hello, hello. Today I get to chat with Luke Rockhold. Luke is a three-time Strikeforce champion in the past, which got absorbed into UFC over the years. Uh, he's a UFC champion as well when he made his transition over there. He's a four-time world champion and um, fantastic at jiu-jitsu as well. You won some you know, major tournaments, uh, you know, world champion at, at various belt levels along the way in jiu-jitsu. Is that correct? Yeah. I got the blue belt and the gi and then the purple belt and the no gi. 2007, that was the end of my jiu-jitsu. I was like, you pay to jiu-jitsu or you get paid to fight? And I, I figured out, <laughs> I like to get paid. So I was going to make that transition. I just had that conversation with Gilbert Burns uh, less than two weeks ago. We were in Phoenix and we were having a chat uh, the day after the fights. And Gilbert was saying the same thing. He's, he's uh, I believe he's Brazilian champion like seven times or something ridiculous, yep. and then world champion three times. And he's like, well, you don't make any money, though. You know, you yeah. could be the best jujitsu guy. Back in our day. At that time. Back yeah. in our day. Now, yeah. now people are actually making money in jujitsu. It's funny yeah. to see. Yeah. I know cool a few of them are. And, yeah. um, um, and shout out to them. But um, yeah, Gordon, I sat here with Gordon. We did an interview with Gordon Ryan. Yeah. And um, Gordon well. I think he's got to fight this weekend. I think he's fighting somebody. Um, jujitsu master. Right? Yeah, he's not, he's next. not making that transfer over. Isn't he supposed to be like jumping into the actual mixed martial arts? It's an uh, interesting division. I, I didn't hear that in our conversation. We uh, spent a couple hours together. Oh, and, and signing with one, I guess signing with one, they just do a strictly jiu-jitsu now. Hmm. Well, he's doing okay, but he, he's turned that into some money better than others. But back in the day, um, you know, this is 10-ish years ago when, when Gilbert was in that situation, and I imagine you said uh, 07 era, something like that was, yep. was yours. Yeah. Oh, so Gilbert was doing his thing back then, right? Yeah, so there, you know, at that time, not a lot of money there, and he's like, you know, well, I gotta go, I gotta go learn, you know, more fight skills and and be an MMA fighter, you know. And that, that's turned out pretty well for both of you. That uh, he made some uh, made some big waves and yeah, Gilbert's come a long ways. I remember Gilbert. Gilbert was like a he was a, like Vitor's jiu-jitsu coach. Hmm. I think he was in his corner. He was in Vitor's corner back in 2013 when I fought Vitor, hmm. and I got spinny heel kicked. I was like little Brazilians. <laughs> Henry Hook too. Henry Hook and Gilbert Burns. It's, it's funny how things have come full circle. Um, but I remember, I remember, in the, like Gilbert was always like a nice, very quiet dude, and, and then Henry was in the back, and they're like, "You had us really worried," and like you know, we think you can be champion. And then ended up working with Henry, and and really becoming, you know, going in a long relationship with him and training with him. I didn't know that. I know Henry well. Yeah. I like Henry. Henry and I talk twice a week. One of us is texting each other or calling each other. And he's a, he's I, a great, I like Henry a lot. A great dude. I mean, that was a big point for me. I knew Henry always appreciated my style. And like, and like in the fight, I remember like in the back room at your lowest point, I got spinning heel kicked by Vitor and, in Brazil, <laughs> making the whole trip out there. And like, they're screaming, kill the American as I walk into this arena. It was, it was a pretty intimidating spot, my first fight in the UFC. And then Henry came to the back. He's like, I said, you really had us worried. He's like, you're going to be fucking champion. I know it. I can see it. And then just every step of the way, we saw each other. And it was just kind of grew my way back. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I understand that's the traditional chant that they have in Brazil when they, when they welcome a visiting fighter. Yeah, that, it's great. They, 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 you know, cheer for your death. <laughs> we were in this like industrial city. It was Jaraguá do Sul. It was like, must have been like some government, some like, <clears throat> some embezzlement of money. And there's something going on. There's a laundering system of some sorts because there's no reason for us to fight out there. And uh, it, the, the arena was set next to a graveyard. You're going up <laughs> through this industrial city, and then you go up this weird-ass mountain, and there's a graveyard to the left in this like crazy stadium just built out of nowhere on the right. You're like, how does that get constructed? And uh, yeah, and then they're screaming this thing, the whole cement stadium just pounding, screaming, kill the American as I'm walking in. There's not one American in the whole place. <laughs> 
Well, you got an exciting fight coming up. You, you look scheduled to fight Paulo Costa uh, July 30th, is that right? Yeah, yep, yeah. Paulo Costa. What, what are your thoughts about it? Stylistically, like I know he looks like this big power puncher and, and things, but like I can meet that power. I can, I can, I can deliver with just stand off him. He's a shorter guy. I can sit my jab and, and deliver power kicks and keep him at bay. And then if he wants to close the distance, I mean, he ain't got, he ain't got a good wrestling. He ain't got no, no ground game. So it's like you want to close the distance, you're going to take that leap of faith. I can, I, can, I can beat him on the outside, and I can beat him anywhere else in the fight. There's obviously a short, short game that where he's, he's dangerous, but I, th I know I got the weapons on the feet, and if it goes to the ground, I, you know, slow and steady, I'm, I'm going to kill this dude. You know, I, I, don't know uh, I don't know him personally, and I'm sure he's a very talented guy, and uh, I, I don't want to say anything disrespectful to you know, anybody that's fighting at you know, your level, that level. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful to to what they've accomplished, but, or what they've worked for. <laughs> I feel, but <laughs> but I, you know, I, I just, his last fight was uh, Marvin Vittori, and yeah. I, I know Marvin. I like Marvin. Marvin's very focused. You know, he's he, Marvin's very focused. Him. I see some good. He is a very he's very, very hungry, focused, very hungry driven individual. I hate. And you know, in in that fight, um, you know, it, it wasn't the best look for Paulo. You know, he had a he had a tough fight there, and. Uh, mm. You know, there's all the, the weigh-in problems that uh, you know, had to change weight and change the weight again and change yeah. the weight, you know, maybe a third time, I don't recall, at least twice. I think twice, yeah, and, um, ridiculously. Yeah, you know, so I, it's, I wonder, again, I, I don't know the guy and I don't want to say anything bad about him, but I wonder what the hell was going on in his life at that time or, you know, it's, it'd, be, it'd be a very bad for, look for him to have those type of problems again. So I imagine he's yeah. going to be, you know, focused and doing the best he can to be prepared to, to show up in the ring with you, which is probably not a fun night for him. Uh, if you come in, you know, less than 100%. Uh, yeah, this is a game you can't have one foot in, one foot out. You got to be all in. And so, you know, everything has been on hold for me, and I'm just ready to do this thing. And hopefully, you know, hopefully some Paulo, any form of Paulo Costa showing up on weight is all I need. It's all I want. Uh, there it is. That would be nice. Just show up. Just show up half the man, too. I'll take half the man, but... Something we were chatting uh, uh, off camera earlier is that, that idea that uh, you, you can't have one foot in, one foot out. Of, mm -hmm. what, what would that look like in, in your profession that uh, a guy that shows up that, you know, he, he did, uh, he's 80% prepared or 90% yeah. prepared? It, it, <laughs> you, you can see it. You can see it most of the time in those, like, different fights. It just falls apart. <clears throat> it's not there. Um, there's, there's Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa misses weight twice, and then he just shuts down at certain points in the fight. You got to be all in. You know, you see it a lot of the time in people's careers where they're, they're just not completely focused, and they're in there like sleep fighting. You're not, they're not they're really there, you know. Like uh, Josh Thompson versus Tony Ferguson. You know, coming back, he wasn't really ready to fight, didn't really want it. He goes in there and fights a killer like Tony Ferguson. Tony put a fucking beating on him in every way, and Josh never saw what was coming. You know, so you you just have to be f very clear headed, clear eyes, and focused on fighting. Otherwise, you just you're never gonna get you're always gonna get beat to the spot. I've made the point many times to my clients that um, you know it's, it's not enough to make a 80, 90 percent effort. There's a lot of people out there, and uh, look, not not everybody wants to be a world champion fighter. Not everybody wants to be uh, you know they say they want to be wealthy or they say they want to be a champion at something, but they don't really, you know, they, they don't want to put in the efforts. It's a, it's a, it's a little child's daydream, but it's not a real something in their, yeah. in their life, you know? And, 
so there's a lot of people that, that go by in life, and they're, you know, if they're making an above average effort, above the 50th percentile, mm -hmm. then they can tell themselves a story that, you know, I'm doing better than most people are. I'm yeah. making an above average effort. But you, even if you're making an 80th percentile effort, like, what, what do you really get in life? You get, you get a $100,000 salary, and you got to show up to a bitch ass job and take orders from somebody you might, might, you might not like or respect, you know? Yeah. I've, so I've, I feel like, yeah, that's life. Life is like a chessboard. You know, everyone assumes their different role, and I think this, this whole COVID is a testament to what role you play on the chessboard. You know, it's really testing, you know, what, where you're categorized. You know, most everyone's a pawn. They're only allowed to go here, here, here. Mm -hmm. I need these people to make the world run. As you move up the chessboard, you have, you know, you have the bishops, the rooks, and everyone can go there to different directions. You know, only the kings and the queen can go where they want, when they want, how they want. You know, the women, the women, get, the queen gets to go a lot further than men. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just because the man has staked his claim. You know, it has to do his thing. So anyway, elaborate on this thought. I, I was on the jet last night. I was flying over here, so I'm, I'm in the front row. I got my window seat, and um, first class. And the guy sitting next to me and just working frantically the entire time. He's on his he's on his phone. He's maybe he's. 30, 32 years old, something like that, young guy. He's on his phone, work, work, work. He's on his laptop, work, work, work. Um, he's got his laptop out when he's not supposed to, which I don't care, but you know, the, you're supposed to put the laptop away oh, yeah. for like takeoff. He's work. on the laptop. And, and that's all good, you know? And then, um, you know, three hours into the flight, the, the flight attendant says like, you know, all, all you do is work, you know, take it easy, take it easy, you know, hope you get some, you know, you're going on vacation or something. And he's like, you know, no, I'm, I'm out here for business. And uh, I, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, if you, if you just keep doing what you're doing, I, haven't, I didn't talk to the guy for the first three hours, and he didn't talk to me, and I didn't talk to him, and, and I usually like that, you know? Yeah. Um, usually just delighted if the person next to me is... I mean, typically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a so, rare occasion. But when she, she said that to him, I, I said, you know, never, never take advice for somebody that has different goals than you do. I said, if you just keep working the way that you are, if you did that for 10, 15 years, you're going to do whatever you want to with the rest of your life. And if you, if you take advice from people that have different goals than you and lower expectations than you, then you're going to end up with outcomes like they have. I said, never, never be persuaded by that, that uh, somebody with lesser goals than you tells you to take it easy, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that was a, I don't know why, it, it, was, it just seemed, I felt it was poignant to interject that maybe I'm a decade older than him and it was a useful comment and it's something that I lived that way myself. Mm. And I think you know he took it a little more emotionally, you know, like a more than I thought it, he would. But he, he's he's kind of you know thanked me several mm -hmm. times, and uh, sounds, he, he feels that I like that. I mean, it's it's very befitting. For he sure. feels that middle class pressure to go engage in you know the, the middle class traditions. Uh, this is my interpretation of it. He didn't. He say sounds this. sounds like a frantic kind of guy, you know, like insecure, frantic. I mean, some a of those bit. people make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. maybe some people just... I was insecure. I, I grew up, uh, maybe I still am, I don't know. I grew up really poor. I didn't have shit. Yeah. And, you know, my father was in prison for a lot of my childhood for cocaine trafficking. Um, I was the only child, so I was at home with a obese, half-crazy mother. And um, I was rightfully insecure that if I, if I didn't change some things in, in my circumstances, mm -hmm. uh, my future was going to be a pile of shit. Of course. And yeah. I didn't really like that, you know? So no doubt. I had plenty of fear uh, and insecurity. You know, I, I still I fear I fear being poor more than I fear fear death or something. You know, like oh, I'm going to die later, but at least I don't need to be poor between now and then. Yeah, well, uh, 
So um, <laughs> most people don't find it relatable, fair enough. <laughs> we, all, we all need those fears. Yeah, trust me, fear, fears, fears are, are everywhere. I think, yeah, fear was a good driver for me. Especially uh, when you think about when your fear of, fear of your income is based off fighting, <laughs> the next best fighter in the world. There's, 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 there's the uh, fear of, you know, being poor and fear of losing, fear of losing your life, your money, everything is online and fighting. It's a crazy concept, you know. And then and they're really building your mind, building that present state of mind to go back into fighting for me, I think is the biggest thing is, is understanding and being as prepared and more so than ever to be back in that state of mind because that way, like, the more prepared you are, the more relaxed and more present you can be because if you're not present, you're going to get eaten up. And, and just that mindset of just the walk out, the stage, the build up, the fucking weight. It's just bringing it all back, you know what I mean? And not letting the pressure get to you. You know, those moments when the big deals are coming, you know, and business is like having your composure and understanding how to execute in that moment, in that time, is the biggest thing. For me, it's just visualization and putting myself back there. Visualize, visualize, and like focus and, you know, it's like, it's, it is the secret, man. The secret of life is it, you, if you think about something hard enough, it's going to start to come true for most people to some, some extent. I don't want to get too crazy, but I mean, like, if you, it's like manifest destiny. You have to fucking really believe something to make it happen. I think that gets, I don't disagree with you, but I think that a mainstream audience, they pervert that into something totally different than, exactly, yeah. is that, you know, some, some hippies uh, smoking some weed and sitting on his ass, you know, daydreaming about, uh, what he'd like to have in life, but if you're making no effort to do it, the shit's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so when when you've been thinking about manifestation, or when I've been thinking about manifestation, that you know my version of manifestation, uh, you know, I also spent nine years in universities and yeah. went to the number one business school in our country. I was yeah. a high school dropout. Yeah. You know, fast forward a decade, I was graduating from the number one MBA, you know, master's of business program in our country. Mm -hmm. um, I was working you probably 100 learned, hour You learned some for, good business techniques from your, fa from your father, maybe. I did. I learned plenty of entrepreneurial <laughs> things from him. <laughs> I mean, he must have been pretty good in the business to get, to get the, that kind of attention from the government. Well, my you father I mean? had, in the early 80s, so I think, mean, must have think of his, inflation must have related. Had his, like, his finger on the grind. <laughs> think of inflation related to that. But in, in the early 80s, he had a couple <clears> million dollars. And... Mm -hmm. um, He's got to oh, hustle. Yeah. You have to hustle. Yeah. If this you this is a guy, he had a high school education. Uh, he had a good work ethic, he valued education, but you know, never went to college. And um, you know, from, you know, his father was a factory worker, uh, his grandfather was a coal miner, and you know, so he, he did have some entrepreneurial visions. Yeah. Now, you know, the government had disagreements He didn't want to get caught in the fray, that, the, you know, the status quo of America, of falling in line in, in, in a business of their choosing. Yeah. Choose your own way. Yeah. So you know, I, I did take a note from that, that like, well, um, I appreciate the, the hustle or the entrepreneurialism, but I also didn't want to spend a significant <laughs> chunk of my life in prison, you know? Looking over your back, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So th th that was, I didn't want to, have, you know, I grew up around a bunch mm -hmm. of hoodlums as a kid and a uh, teenager, so I had plenty of little troubles or yeah. went to like county jail. I never went to prison. I went to county jail a couple times as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my friends have. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the group. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. But you know, I, I thought it's about that. I'm like, well, this, this isn't much fun, you know, I probably have some better opportunities out there if I focus on them. You know? Yeah. Relating that to this, this manifestation thing that you said is, you know, I, I, you know, I wanted to go you know, manifest a, a wealthier future, and I went and worked my ass off forever to do that. You yeah. wanted to manifest certain outcomes, but I suspect you spent a lot of time training for that. I suspect you had great coaches, great mentors, yeah. um, great teammates. I know you did. I know some of your teammates. Yeah. 
I think that the, yeah, it's always pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. There's so many people that, that think about these things in, the, in that moment, and they never push themselves outside their comfort zone to realize that that, you know, what they want. And you're never going to realize that, never going to get yourself to that point without push it, put it, without getting outside your comfort zone. I think it's the biggest thing. Everyone is so comfortable, and they only say things, they do things, but they'll never take the action on it because they're they're comfortable. They stay within what is their their security space. You know, when you put yourself out of that, it's it's like it's scary, but it makes it, you know. Pressure makes diamonds.